Ivy Butler loves to snap photographs. He's done so since his children were little, and he is continuing that tradition with his grandchildren. You can view those images at his Instagram site, at The Grandfather Diary. He and his wife, Donna, were foster parents to numerous children and adopted the last five, which makes him and his wife the parents of seven children and the grandparents of 13. The Butler family is of mixed race and experiences challenges many grandparents face. Lack of contact with children and grandchildren, long distance grandparenting, and grandchildren living with grandparents. Ivy cherishes his family and enjoys the times with them life affords. Part of his handling life's challenges so graciously comes through being a certified life coach. He says neuroscience has proven one can rewire his or her brain and change one's life with new input. Listen to his joy of being a grandfather, the impact Earl Nightingale had on his life, and Ivy's mission to help others learn the value of positive self-talk and the necessity of positive talk with children. I invited you because I don't get a whole lot of grandpas on the podcast. And when I saw your yeah. grandfather diary, I just thought it was really cool. Page started out to highlight me having moments with my grandchildren with my phone, with my camera. And that's what it was for of the pictures that I took of them, which was grandfather diary. It has evolved now photos of grandchildren that I didn't take. Several of my daughters are out of town and out of state. If I didn't have pictures of them, you would never see them. Or you would see Aiden, Ali, and Natalie. And sometimes Braden, but the most part, you always see Aiden, Ali, and Natalie because I'm always taking pictures with them with my phone. Let's back up just a bit. How many children do you have? 13 grandchildren and seven children. Six girls and a boy, and the boy is the youngest. My oldest is is Haley. She's 37, and Michael is 18, and there are five in between those. How geographically spread out are you? Haley and her four children are in Spring, Texas. Tiana and her three children are somewhere here in Louisiana. My Isha and her three children are in Washington State. Michaela and her child is in Baton Rouge in Ariel and her to live with me. How do you stay in touch with the ones that are so far away from you? FaceTime. Simply put FaceTime. Like birthdays and they'll call me and FaceTime and wish me birthday wishes. My Isha, she's really gone FaceTime and holidays and birthdays. Tiana's children and Michaela's, I don't see them for a reason that I have no idea why they don't come around. And Aiden and Ali, them too. They have minds of their own. Quick story. I was sitting on my bed watching a video last night, and all of a sudden, Aiden comes in, and he wants to lay down on the bed. He was to the point where, Dad, because he calls me Dad, you need to get over. Dude, this is my space. It was so funny. And when I finished watching the video, I got up, and I saw the cover. wasn't quite like I had it. He was on the floor, sleep, knocked out under the cover. <laughs> so... My, I have my grandchildren call me grandfather. My wife, she called her grandfather, her father, papa. I'm young. To me, I'm young. Don't call me anything that resembles being old. So 
I had them call me grandpa. But I love them so much when I get together there. They're excited to see me and I'm excited to see them. It is fun. What are the fun things that you do with them? I get Aiden off the bus. And the first thing we do is I tell him to get the mail from the mailbox. And Aiden likes to race me. We got a long driveway. And as soon as he gets the mail out and give it to him, he takes off running. And that means, okay, let's race. It's a foot race between me and my five-year-old grandson, Ali. When I get her off the bus, she'll take a couple of steps off the bus and she'll jump and expect me to catch her. The lady, the assistant on the bus say, Dad, you can't let her jump. I told her yesterday, walk down the stairs and I'll get you. Well, she got to a couple of stairs and she jumped and she expects me to catch her. Natalie, oh my gosh, she's the comedian, dancer of the family. People don't understand this, but I call her favorite. And the reason why I call her favorite because she was my first granddaughter. And you're going to find this funny. I had to go to Dallas to watch them while my daughter and her husband wanted to go to a basketball game. The moment my daughter left that room, I think Natalie was two, she started crying. Natalie literally cried until my daughter came back into the house uh, hours later. You feel so helpless when they're crying and you don't know what to do. And you know it's because they are missing their parents. Yes, exactly. Because Haley and Ben had been in Dallas for a number of years. She didn't get to see me, us. And when she did see me, it was that moment. And like, who are you? And I want my mommy. She didn't know that I want my mommy. I was helpless. It's a joy watching my grandchildren evolve. Noah is a self-taught musician and is very amazing. Kai, an aspiring chef. Natalie, the gymnast, and she's now an entrepreneur, has her own shirt line. Remy, I think Remy's about five, six, and she's just funny. So I don't have enough interaction with Tiana, Maisha, and Michaela's children because they're never around. But me and uh, Aiden, we like the outdoors. And he'll say, Dad, I want to go outside. And he has a, his uh, battery-powered Jeep, and he'll just go. And Ali will come down sometime out and get in hers. And I just stay outside with them and let them get it out until they decide they want to come out, come inside. Ali and I, we like all the Frozen soundtracks. We sing. <laughs> Hearing her sing, she just melts my heart. I get photos of Haley's kids often. And I see videos of them often. And it's pretty amazing to see them grow and mature. I'm enjoying them all. I'm going through your post right now. And I see your cheerleader. Is That's that Braylon. Braylon. Yes. How old is Braylon? Yes. Oh, I, I'm not good on ages of my grandchildren. Oh, my God. Because I struggle with my own children and their ages. I think Braylon may be 10 or 11. And she's a cheerleader. Where does she live? I don't know. She lives here in Louisiana somewhere. Oh, is this one of the grandchildren you don't see very often? Yes. Her mother moved last year. She lived in Zachary with us and she moved. I hadn't seen them since she moved. I am so sorry. That seems to be the plight of a lot of grandparents in that for whatever reason, their children don't want them to have contact with the grandchildren. And I find that so very sad. I don't want to say it's they don't want to. I would say that they may not see the value of it. I don't speculate. I just enjoy the moments that I have with it. Well, at least you got pictures. Many grandparents where there's a, a difference of philosophy don't even get to see 
pictures of their grandchildren. That's a wonderful advantage because I'm, I'm an advocate of having pictures because I want to see you. I've always taken pictures of my children, even when they're very small. I like pictures. Pretty simple. I like pictures. Well, that's obvious from your Instagram posts. Aiden and Ali, those pictures that I take. You have a mixed race family. Yes. How does yes. that work in your family? The last five uh, were adopted. We were, uh, we were foster parents and we adopted the last five. As far as the way my wife and I see it, we're just family. We're just, we're just family. So we don't we don't look at anybody any different. We're, we're just family. Those are our grandkids. Those are our children. And they've always been that way. We've always looked at it that way. That's commendable that you would adopt five children. Three, the three girls, Tiana, Maisha, and Michaela, those were my wife's nieces. Ariel and Michael, we just got them as being foster parents. That's commendable. Thank you. Can you sum up your philosophy about parenting and grandparenting? Hmm. You just have to love them and accept them for who they are and what they have become. But as recently, I better, uh, being a, now being a certified life coach, I, I have started to delve into why they think the way they think and do the things that they do. And it's given me a better understanding of the situations that are at hand. And I'm trying to find a way to help them transition to a better philosophy of life and family. Oh, Don and I were talking just yesterday. Haley and Aria have always had the closest relationship when growing up. They never, ever fought, ever. And they were always close. And Ariel was shocked to hear that, but he told her, you guys never fought and you guys never had, uh, really had a disagreement. But family is, I understand what family is supposed to be, but I'm getting a better understanding of why children have done the things that they're doing and how it's affecting their parents and grandparents. That's what I'm starting to learn to the point where I'm going to eventually start a way to communicating that with grandparents and parents, because when I look at the way my kids are now and how they think, it's almost crazy to me, if, if I can say that word, because they didn't grow up like that. We didn't raise them like that. But yet, that's the way they are. I look at how environment and others affect my children and their philosophy. It's sad, but Outside environment has more of a stronghold on the way children think than people realize. I don't place blame on my children, uh, not being able to see my grandkids the way I want to, because I'm, I'm slowly start, starting to look at each one of them and see the friends that they had and how those friends that they had possibly affected the way they think, which lead them to the way to where they are. If they don't get a hold of it, they don't understand and get a hold of it, their children are going to repeat what's going on with them. True. That's a, and that's a fact. And they, But they don't realize it at this moment. Many children don't think long-term, but it's going to come back on you. What you're allowing to happen is going to affect you as a parent. Because I look at some of the children that you see on TV and that are doing unspeakable things to their parents and grandparents. Karma has a way of coming back to haunt you. 
And karma is a law. Can't change karma. In your life coaching business, are you focusing on families? I'm focusing on the individual because the individual determines the, the structure and the, how the family goes. If you can change the individual and the way they think, everything else changes. Just like with my daughter, Ariel, her thinking has gone totally differently than it used to be. <laughs> Get this straight. I try not to post photos of my children and their children. That's not what my page is about. It's my grandchildren. But right. when you see her interaction with her children, it's like, wow, because she said it herself. Family is so amazing. She now sees what we, we were telling her. And just like with the uh, interaction with Haley and her children, they have a wonderful relationship. Wonderful. So my thing that I would say to uh, grandparents, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but it's a matter of everything coming back to you the way it was put out during the early years. That's the way life is. And that's what I've learned. It's coming back, whether you realize it or not, but you don't know when you started that process. That's a lot. It's coming back. And you just got to know how to deal with it from here going forward. And that's why I don't place blame. I don't see a reason to place blame. I see a reason to learn from this and say, okay, how can we go forward from here? Well, that's a good philosophy. Placing blame really doesn't get you anywhere. No, it doesn't. It just causes years and years of animosity, wasted years of memories. That's difficult though, because sometimes when we're sad or frustrated, we lash out. It is, but that's a learned behavior. And we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't realize we're doing it. We were raised one way and we're just doing things like everybody else is doing it and expecting things to be different. It doesn't work that way. There are universal laws, cause and effect. But every situation, that's the effect. But what was the cause? And many people don't go back and say, okay, what was the cause of it? And take time to get to the root cause of it. Because until you get to the root cause of it, you can't you can't fix it. How do you figure that out? Questions. Just like with Aria, uh, my daughter this year, we used to have knockout drag out. And one day she said something to me and I was like, hold up, let's get to the bottom of this. We talked and when we got to the bottom of it, I had nothing to do with why we were even there. And I'm like, you need to take this up with your mother. And she thought I didn't love her. She honestly thought I didn't love her and I hated her. When we talked about it, I'm like, no, that's not correct. But the biggest lesson that I learned and this may be a help for your listeners. I learned this just last week. When you're having a conversation by yourself with your child, there's nobody there but you and your child. And that's not a very productive conversation. By law, that conversation is going to cause itself to become a reality. You're going to argue with your child the conversation you had by yourself with that child. I asked my daughter, I said, because we have a word, I say, do you have conversation with me when I'm not around? And yeah. So what's happening, that's going to be mirrored based on how she see me. I'm going to mirror her thought about me. So the thing is what I would like parents and even grandparents to understand is what kind of conversation are you having with your child when you're by yourself? Are they positive or are they negative? Are they uplifting? Are you putting somebody down? You can't have those conversations. 
because those conversations are going to materialize in reality. I learned that. That is a law. That is a law. Stop arguing with your child when you're by yourself in your mind, in your imagination. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. That's a law. Yes, because what you think is what becomes reality. I yes. used to tell my former students, and I've mentioned it from time to time to different people I know, it's like change the scripts in your head. What you tell yourself yes, is what you're going to believe, but you have to spin it around to what's really true and be positive about the situation. And then good things are going to come back to you. Absolutely. That is a lot. So if you want to have a loving relationship with your child and your grandchildren on those quiet moments, have those conversations, loving uh, conversations with your children when it's just you. And it's going to mirror back to you those conversations, those situations. We don't know that. Because you're sending out good energy when you're having positive conversations in your yes, head. Absolutely. But we're not taught that. So we don't know to do it. But you you just summed it up perfectly. Absolutely correct. So tell me about your life coach business. How did you get started with that? 2009, I'm sitting, <laughs> I have two broken ankles and I'm sitting in a wheelchair and I'm thinking about the things that my uh, adopted children are doing, even my daughter. That doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? You weren't raised to do that. So I vividly remember asking the question, why do people do the things that they do? I want to know. And I set out on a path to discover why they did the things that they do. You look at the children and say, wait a minute, I didn't raise you like to, to do those things. Where did that come from? That's what we're looking at because my wife and I, we're talking, what's wrong with these, these kids? That's the question I asked myself. And I said, I'm gonna find the answer to that question. It took me over 12 years to discover the answer to that question. And when I discovered the answer to that question, I'm like, Oh my God, why nobody tell people this? Why nobody's discussing this? It was in The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Said so you become what you think about. And I'm sitting there asking myself, what am I thinking about? I couldn't answer that question. 2009, I couldn't answer that question. And last year, I finally answered the question. My current situation is what I'm thinking about. If you're thinking about poverty, it's going to materialize. If you're thinking about prosperity, it's going to materialize. Here's something that I heard, I think it was Bob Proctor mentioned first. If you want something, you got to change your state of mind, your consciousness. I'm sitting there a couple of days ago, and I finally got what they meant by changing your state. Happiness, love, depression, anger, those are, those are states. And I'm like, wow, nobody taught me this. So when you think about it that way, it makes sense if you're angry, you don't have to stay angry. You have it. What I'm trying to do is trying to get people to become aware of what's going on in their own heads. Simply put, what's going on in your own head to create your reality, to create your life circumstances right now. That's what I'm trying to teach people. You can change it if you change what's going on in your head. Did you go through formal training for this? I discovered Dr. Shad Helmstetter. He wrote the book, What You Say When You Talk to Yourself. The book always intrigued me. The title... So I Googled Dr. Shad Helmstetter and I followed him because I've always heard about life coaching. I had a vague idea of what it was, but it sounded interesting. So I found him and I found his page 
and I submitted my name and out my information and they called me back and explained it to me. So I went through the course he wrote. He has over 40 years of experience of how the mind works and how to help a person transition their life. And that was the person who really got my attention because he wrote the book, What You Say When You Talk to Yourself. I went through his course and, and he certified me because my final interview was with him. Oh man, what a, uh, an amazing man. And that's when I learned about self-talk. You're talking to yourself every minute of the day, every wake moment of the day, and it never stops. And just like you said, you there are negative things that you picked up as a child, and they stay with you even as an adult. Basically, if you look at why my life is the way it is, what are you saying to yourself when you talk to yourself? Could be low self-esteem. You, you, I mean, you're putting your own self down because of the things that you've heard growing up. It goes in, it's like your, your mind is like a computer. Everything goes in and it stays there and it'll, it'll come up when it's necessary. So the man is absolutely amazing. He taught me going through this course. Oh gosh, the learning and things that I didn't know is just like your aha moment. And because when I finished, started talking to my wife and she now understands the value of self-talk. And it's, it's amazing. The things that you say to yourself that's destroying your own life. He taught you that. And it's not very pleasant, some of the things that you tell yourself. That's a powerful message. It's, it's sad because if you were told you were dumb as a child, that is going to stay with you. Whatever negative thing you were told as a child is going to stay with you. He said it never goes away. You can learn to get a hold of it, but you have to repeatedly tell yourself positive things to help yourself because thinking about that you say well why me and my child have these issues then you have to look at as a parent what did you tell your child when they were growing up that's still with them today in their own thoughts they're still affecting them today there's a cartoon that you see this child and the the child's head is open like the brain is open and this mother yes. is spewing these hateful, nasty, racist, horrible, horrible words to this child. And what that's saying is that what the mother is telling that child is going in that brain and is forming that child's attitude about himself, herself, the world, the people around him or her. And it's a powerful image. And one that I find incredibly powerful and sad because just like you're saying, when you put those kinds of thoughts and words into a child, they're going to grow up with that. And it takes an incredible amount of energy to overcome that. And as you said, I don't think you ever completely outgrow that. You learn to manage it and to bury it, but in stressful situations, those words come back. Absolutely, 100%. That's exactly how it works. Because, um, say, for instance, myself, I learned something about triggers. Something could trigger that thought. You can see something and hear something, and it'll trigger that thought, and it comes right back up. That is so true. Because we all face triggers. Yeah, we all always face, all face triggers and bad memories, bad um, uh, memories that we that never goes away. I think it's so important to always affirm a child, to tell them 
how much you love them, to tell them how beautiful they are or how, and not to be fake about it, but to give them, like if they're drawing something, like I saw one of your grandchildren drawing, you don't have to say, oh, that's the most beautiful artwork in the world because the child knows that it's not really the most beautiful artwork. But you can say things like, I like the way you use the colors here, or I like how you blended these colors. You say something positive about it and the child feels good. It doesn't mean that it's the best beautiful painting in the world, but you've left positive feelings with that child about his or her artistic talent. And that is a seed that's just going to blossom in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have personally witnessed Haley, and Ariel do that with their children. It's like there's a, uh, a little video of Ariel. I want to cry because she posted it this morning. It was absolutely beautiful. She is telling Ali, because this morning before she went to school, put on about, she told Ali how much she loved her and how she felt about her. And just watching them interact. It was so beautiful. It's emotional. Oh, I, uh, you have to excuse me. It, yeah. It, and I, I've seen, I've witnessed my daughters do that with their children, which explains why they are the way they are now. And I've seen it. And I've, I've seen my wife do it with our children. I've, I've seen it. So I know where they're getting it from. They're getting it from my wife. It's so amazing when you say positive things to your child, it stays there. In moments of difficulty, they that helps them with whatever they're going through. Do you remember the movie? I think it's called The Help a few years ago, eight, 10 years ago. The nanny yeah. in that movie is a nanny to a white child. And the child's That's home environment is difficult. But the nanny constantly says to this little girl, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. And I get goosebumps saying that right now because I remember watching that movie thinking how powerful yes. that is that this woman thinks so much of this child that she says these things mm -hmm. to her to overcome the trauma imposed on her by her family. Yes, parents don't understand this and hopefully grandparents would take that plus that we're sharing with them you have to praise the child with positive words, positive reinforcement. That helps far more than anything that you can ever believe throughout a child's lifetime. And just like you said, kindness, positive words, love, words of affection. And I think that's why my grandkids, Aiden and Ali, love me the way they love me. Because I'm always playing with them and we always have... Um, say terms of endearment to each other. And it's, it's just amazing seeing their lives, their eyes light up. As you said, I want parents and grandparents to understand, you have to say positive words to your child, a grandchild, you have to. That's just like uh, back years ago, they say, give a hug, words, they go a long way with the child. When we were kids, there was a saying, sticks and stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me. <laughs> That is so wrong. Yes. <laughs> so wrong. Bones can heal. Absolutely. Words crush the soul. And it's hard to heal yes, from a crushed soul. Absolutely. Because I remember saying that. <laughs> I think as a society, we are 
more aware of the importance of positive words. It's like the bully situation in school. It's really sad when you think about how we've allowed our children to become bullies. And it's very difficult for a school system to monitor that because it's one child's word against another. And in the school where I taught, in order to do anything about it legally, we had to have it on videotape and we had cameras all through the school, but the bullies knew where the cameras weren't and knew how to maneuver themselves so that they weren't caught on tape. And it is a very difficult situation to get a hold of. And I think parents need to take some responsibility for their child being aggressive. Dr. Helmstead has said is the way they are programmed. He said we're all programmed, every one of us, no matter what part of the world you're in, is how you're programmed. And your program, you start receiving your program as a child. He said that's the way the mind is designed to be programmed. A couple of years ago, I just realized how it works. And so what I tell people is you did the best that you could because that's how you were raised and they did the best they could with this, how they're raised. And it just, it's just a never ending cycle because they're way everybody's programmed. Once you know better, then you can do better. Yes. And what I love about it, the way he said it is Repetition, you will be learned by repetition, 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 repetition. And if you want to change a person's program, tell them something positive over and over and over and over and over again. And then it eventually sticks. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation. I'm glad to know that you are a life coach. Do you have a website for your business or how do you go about your work? I have yet to launch it because. I'm trying to figure out the most effective way to do it. But on my Instagram uh, and my Facebook, I have Life Coach on there. And that's how people can reach me, Instagram or Facebook. Eventually, I want to start making videos, uh, recording videos and put put them out. With the Life Coaching Business, it's a 52-week program uh, that I sit uh, take a person through. What I have learned personally, and that's I think that's the reason why I haven't really aggressively launched it into pursuing it, because I have learned something differently about the way the mind works, because the life coaching won't work until you understand what that person really wants to achieve and how to help that person get to the root of what they want to achieve in their life. Once you get to the root of that, then the life coaching is very effective because I'm not giving you what I want you to hear. I'm helping you to understand what you're saying so you can pursue what you want and not what I want you to do. I don't know what's in your head. I don't know what your goals, dreams, and aspirations are. You have to get to the very bottom of what you want to be doing have. And once you get to the very core of that, then you can do the life that you dream of. Do you have a different Instagram account besides the grandfather diary? Yes, Ivy Butler Official. That's the page where I actually post my quotes in my videos, Ivy Butler Official. I keep them separate. Matter of fact, I went to my uh, page this morning and I noticed I had quotes and I deleted the quotes. 
All I want you to do is focus on my grandkids on that page. But when you go to the business part, I want that to be focused on you as uh, the adult. We have the grandfather diary and we have Ivy Butler Official. I will have the links to both of those in the show notes. Ivy, any last words of wisdom to share? I really, really hope it'll help someone with their tomorrow. We can't move forward until we understand why we where we are. And once you understand and become aware, then tomorrow be brighter and better. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.